When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, with me, Rich Ferraro. As we celebrate a whole year of Stevie Cooper being the head coach at the City Ground, in today's show we're going to use the international break to have a little bit of a think about personnel and formations and squad size and depth. In a few minutes, we're going to hear from some of our regular pundits, and I will also be joined by the Maradona of the Midlands as we start to build our preferred Forest 11. But without any further ado, let's head over and get the latest from the 1865 News Desk. Hi, it's Callum Castell with the 1865 News Roundup. Um, there's been a good amount happened since the last time I was on the podcast, so I'll try and get through it all quickly. Um, so Serge Aurier was finally announced, as was goalkeeper Adnan Kanjaric, who has been training with the first team but is likely to play for the under-21s. But we also discovered that Forrest were also keen on signing Paolo Dybala before his move to Roma. So um, Forrest just continuing to be as active as ever in that transfer market. Um, tried to get some out at the last minute. Loic Embasso was supposed to move to Fenerbahce, but that fell through due to the players' decision. Um, we had a few other bits. Dean Henderson was nominated for the first ever Premier League save of the month. We had Oral Mangala's Instagram post explaining that he's near to fitness, which is exciting. Um, the 25-man squad was announced, which did not include Cafu or Lyle Taylor. Um, and we had international call-ups for Renan Lodi, Scott McKenna, Brennan Johnson, Nico Williams, Wayne Hennessy, Dean Henderson to England, Serge Aurier, Willy Bolly, Cheku Koyate and Remo Freuler. A lot of players for once, and uh, Morgan Gibbs White and Emmanuel Dennis were called up, but it appears they're both injured and will both be assessed. Um, and Musa Niakate was called up for Senegal for the first time, so that's really positive. Looks like he should be moving forwards with his injury. And um, and the last bit is that Pep Segura looks like he could be coming in as the sporting director. Uh, he already has a relationship with Steve Cooper at Liverpool and I'm pretty sure I heard that he was the one who suggested Steve Cooper to the main man. So lots happening still, probably a lot more to come. But uh, I'll be back with more news after the next game. So thank you very much there, Callum. Uh, a lot to pack into your news roundup there. Um, before we discuss that, I'm going to say a big hello to Maradon the Midlands. How are you doing? Hi, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Good. Uh, thank you for thank you for joining me. Um, there were a few interesting nuggets in Callum's news roundup there. Um, the one that um, stood out to me was uh, Pablo Dybala, really? Yeah, I mean, that, that sort of came up this week. I, I don't think there's much in it from uh, from what I remember of the, the early summer. It was it, He'd been linked to Roma quite early on, um, and I think it would be fantastical to think that he would join uh, Forrest. Um, he, he turned down moves to places like Manchester United 
and Tottenham last year. So I don't think he's keen on coming to England anyway. And um, I just imagine his wages must be eye-watering. So I, I don't think there's much in it. From what I understand, from what I read of of the interview, um, from where it came, it, it was just for us putting a phone call just to ask the question, um, as they seem to have done with a hell of a lot of players this summer. <laughs> so with that and the fact that Forrest are still making signings, albeit, you know, the new goalkeeper for the development squad, we may or may not come back to that. Is this potentially a sign that having seemed to have paired back on the uh, crazy transfer activity last season when Steve Cooper and Chris Hewton um, were in charge, basically coinciding with the Dane Murphy appointment, is it just that the Forest hierarchy are getting, getting excited again and, and just kind of saying, let's sign everyone if we can? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, from we, I mean, we don't know. We sit, we're sitting on the outside. We don't know the inner workings, but it seems that the owner's son, seem to take a very active role in the uh, in the transfer business this year. So maybe there is that sort of different different departments in the club looking at different players. It's I mean it seems strange to me that an executive like Dave Murphy um and then the other sort of I've lost track of who we've got at the club now, but football directors and sporting directors and head of recruitment would sort of pass on responsibility to uh, the owner's son. Uh, so he, he may have been ploughing a lone furrow in, in going after some targets himself, just making a few phone calls, but um, maybe. We, we don't know what's going on. It, but, it, it, I mean, in hindsight, it maybe does look like we maybe signed two or three two players too many now. Um, but um, um, we, we, we won't know until maybe somebody releases an autobiography and tells us what exactly what happened this summer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we will I say we will come on to the whole idea about the numbers of players and 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 the, the contribution that they may or may not be able to make to the squad. Uh, you mentioned as well these different roles. So we've got technical directors, director of football, we've got head of recruitment, um, all of those roles, and some of them have been filled and and to a certain degree of acclaim from from the fan base at the at that time and the one that Callum mentioned in the news roundup at the end there was the potential uh, appointment of a sporting director and a guy called Pep Segura and as Callum said he is somebody that has got a bit of history with Steve Cooper now that is what makes it an interesting bit of speculation in my mind don't you think yeah, it it makes you think that that the club are building something uh, more permanent, and uh, Steve Cooper's position maybe isn't under as question as as, as some reports would let you believe, or or some speculation would make you think. Um, it would seem to suggest there's there's a, a desire to put a philosophy into the club, so all the way from the top, um, right the way down to the coaches. Um, and, and ideally that would go down to the academy as well. Um, so met them from what I've read on the internet, and it's again, it's just, you know, who knows how, how true it is or if it isn't true, but it seems that the club have distanced themselves from it for the time being. So I don't know if, if it's true or not, but if, it seems to make sense in, an, uh, in a two plus two uh, method. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, for the benefits of any of you who haven't uh, heard the speculation, so Pep Segura was uh, the assistant and then caretaker manager at Olympiacos um, quite a while ago, about 15 years ago, but then has also been Steve Cooper's, Steve Cooper's mentor in the Liverpool Academy. And Cooper says, apparently, that Segura helped him to define his coaching and tactical style. Segura has also been the academy and general manager at Barcelona, so has pedigree in the game. And, of course, as we've said there, there are those potential ties to the Forest hierarchy and also to the Forest head coach. So if this is true, Maradon the Midlands, and and we stress once again, we don't know it is, but if this is true, is that a sign that despite recent results and despite all the inevitable speculation that flies around on the internet is it a sign that the club actually do have faith in steve cooper as the forest head coach it does seem to show that although i mean the the thing that's sort of overshadowing everything at the moment is is the fact that steve cooper hasn't signed a new contract which seems odd considering how in sync everything seemed last season how uh from sort of mutual admiration society was in full swing everybody sort of loved each other and had respect for each other and and was a fan of all top to bottom players coaching staff directors recruitment everybody seemed to be on the same page so that does seem odd to me um but if it's true then maybe yeah it is all all okay Mm, yeah, I guess, as with so many things, there's lots of things that people will say out there, lots of people who claim to be in the know. And uh, ultimately, we don't know. And uh, we'll return to that theme in in just a little while. Um, let me uh, just refer to the 25-man squad. I think the headlines were Kafu and Lyle Taylor not being included, but Taylor definitely wasn't a surprise, was it? No, I think it was pretty obvious he wasn't going to be included. He's, he's, um, he's. I don't think he's be. He'll be good enough to play in the Premier League. What about Cafu? Cafu, um, if we hadn't signed so many central midfielders, he he, he could have done a job. Um, but I think it's just the sheer weight of numbers in there now. You've got Froyler, Colback, um, Mangala. Coyote, 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 coyote. Keep on calling him coyote. Uh, <laughs> um, he is a wily player. He is a wily player. Yates. So there's there's so much traffic for him to get through before he'd make that appearance. Um, it's just, I think it's just a logistical thing. I, I was interested to see him uh, pictured in the training photographs this week. So he still seems still seems to be involved with the first team squad because I, I think I guess that's down to. Um, his his personality and the good character he's shown in the past. He, he's he, someone that Steve Cooper trusts to sort of be around and and not drag the group down, even if he isn't playing. Yeah, um, I mean, he 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 seems to be uh, loving life in Nottingham. He seems to be loving life at Forest. Uh, there's also some speculation. I have no idea how true this is that he's helping to translate for Renan Lodi um, as as native Portuguese speakers, but. I don't know that Lodi, how good Lodi's English is, so I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I I don't know either. So yeah. Mm. So thinking again about about that twenty five man squad, um, the uh, the Athletic published an article. This is obviously there's an international break. Let's fill the pages with players who haven't played for their respective clubs. And out of our twenty five man squad, 
Um, we've got Serge Aurier, Loic Bade, who, you know, both of them are just very recent signings. Um, Omar Richards, for obvious reasons. And then the only two other notable players were uh, Jordan Smith and Loic Mbeso. And I think the thing that's really obvious there is they're both way down the pecking order in their respective positions, aren't they? So no surprises there, would you say? No, I don't think so. It's it's all all fairly obvious, really. It's, it's I don't know. But yeah, as you say, I think it's just used to build up the column inches. Mm. Uh, and and of course, it's it's quite possible that uh, the new young keeper may well have been signed to kind of uh, with a view to next season when we won't have Henderson and we and Smith will be out of contract, and uh, so it could well be that he's been signed with that in mind. Um, Loic, he's he must feel like he's kind of never really had a crack of the whip at Forest, but he's he's obviously stayed at the club despite the speculation about about going um, out for the rest of the season or potentially on a permanent move. So you'd hope that he will get a chance to at least be involved in the squad, even if his first team opportunity is going to be limited. Yeah. I, I mean, barely seen him play. So it's hard to judge. Or, or I mean, my, my overarching memory of him is when he first came into the club and he had a bit of a nightmare uh, debut. I think it was, Huddersfield, mm. maybe it was from Friday night. I can't remember Friday night live game, and um, I just remember thinking at the time because the speculation was it cost something like four, four and a half billion pounds. I was thinking, why have we just done that? It was it just see, it didn't seem to make any sense at the time to spend that much money on a on a PSG youth player to play in the championship, and he's he's never quite looked physically uh, big enough to play as a centre half in the championship, and and um, it's it's going to be difficult for him to make an impression. Uh, come, having come on, on a reasonable transfer fee, uh, you'd guess he'd be on good wages as well. So maybe that's preventing him from moving on um, to France or somewhere to a to a, a lower club there. But I don't know. I, I, it's, when he first signed, I said I said on the pod he'll be one of those players that we're going to let go for nothing in a few years' time. And he'll have done nothing. And I'm, I'm, I hate that I've been proven correct, but I, I, I don't see him coming into the team this season. And I, and I still think he's probably going to leave for a free transfer. Mm. Um, Although, I would, I would add two things to that. The first one is that apparently the idea that we, we paid four and a half or five million euros for him is, is wildly... It's... A bit like the Morgan Gibbs White deal. Apparently, the majority of that is in add-ons, and of course, I don't think Loic's done anything to earn any add-ons. <laughs> Bless him. Um, but uh, so I believe that the fee was probably in the in the region of about a million euros as the basic fee. Um, but again, that's speculation. Uh, the other thing that I would like to remind you in terms of what you said uh, about signing Loic in that season was if we have spent five million on Mbeso, we could have spent like a million more and signed Ivan Tony. And I would like to say that I can I think that was a brilliant bit of prophecy by you. And and of course we all wish that had happened. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, well there's there's plenty of those sort of signings down the years where where we've been linked to players and they haven't quite come come through. Um but never mind. Mm. <laughs> we we carry on. <laughs> yeah. Life of a forest fan, eh? Um just another thing I just want to comment upon. So 
we've been talking a lot about speculation about about the provenance of the information that we get and there is something i just want to uh, comment on uh in the athletic there was an article that just came out uh in the last couple of days we're recording this on saturday the 24th of september and in the last couple of days the athletic published an uh, an interview with lewis graben former forest skipper his last contribution in a red shirt was to lift the trophy at wembley on that special day and he's saying i wanted to stay and compete for a place in the premier league he also said that he and steve cooper had positive talks about it and he also said that all the speculation about whether he was after a certain amount of game time or whatever he said that's never been the case in any of the contracts he's negotiated and he wanted to continue to play at forest which is the club where he's been for the longest time but it fell down on the contract negotiations, which reading between the lines probably means money, doesn't it? So bearing in mind, there'd been a lot of fans saying, oh, he won't want to stay to be, you know, second fiddle. He's too old for the Premier League. Maybe Cooper doesn't see him as being part of the club anymore. Um, it puts it puts a new light on some of the things that seem to be truths once they get said enough by people on social media. Am I right? Um, yeah, I suppose that, but, but I think it probably did just come down to money. He, uh, the, the wording I, I, I noted in, in the interview was that he said, I wasn't able to agree an extension, which seems to suggest that he would have wanted to stay on similar terms. I don't think, for one second that Boris would have wanted to give him similar terms because he, he was one of the big earners in the championship. Okay, okay, that we're in the Premier League now, he can afford to, the higher, the average wage has probably come up a fair amount, but knowing that his age, knowing his past history in the Premier League, knowing that he won't have played that many games, I'm sure Forrest would have looked at him and thought, well, yeah, we'd like you to stay, but we can't give you that sort of money. And, more importantly, I think Lewis would have known. I think it's slightly disingenuous of him because he would have known. And the rumours have been there for well, best part of a year now, nearly, that there was a, there were offers in from him from the Middle East. And he mm. would have known that he would have got a, a very attractive offer from whoever he moves to in the Middle East. I think I'm right in saying you get that paid tax-free. Yeah, which, I think that's right, yeah. Which makes a hell of a difference when uh, you're on... Uh, 30 grand a week um they only need to offer him sort of a letter i don't know i can't do the maths on top of my head right now but they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have to do offer him quite as much he needs to still be as um well paid well paid and he gets to live out an ambition of playing abroad Mm. and a part of the world he's obviously got an interest in so yeah, and and despite Kwasi Kwarteng's uh, mini budget yesterday, it's still more financially lucrative to play in Saudi Arabia than it is to be a big earner in the UK. And on that slightly satirical note, I am going to uh, call a a moment's pause. Uh, we're going to go into a quick break, and we shall be back in just a minute to talk about team selections. You're listening to eighteen sixty five Nottingham Forest podcast. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. I'm joined by the Maradona of the Midlands today, and we've had a little discussion about about the makeup of the Forest squad. 
But one of the things that's obviously been causing a lot of consternation amongst fans as we've had this this losing streak, including those very, very disappointing games uh, at home to our fellow promoted teams, Bournemouth and Fulham, has been, well, are we playing things the right way? Now, Married on the Midlands, I've always said that it doesn't matter who the manager is and how much faith you have in them. Even back in the days of Brian Clough and Frank Clark, every week, you could look at the team sheet and there's always going to be some room for debate or discussion about the personnel who are selected. I mean, that's just a truism of, of the game of football, isn't it? It is, but so when a team's doing well, it tends to pick itself. There's maybe one or two positions where you think, well, yeah, I'd, I'd pick him over him or, or do that instead of the other. But in, in general terms, I mean, last season being a, a fine example of it, when they're playing well when everything's clicking and, and the team's gelled and they're winning every week, it tends to pick itself. Now, the other thing that I discovered is that Forrest have used 24 players so far this season in the Premier League. This is the joint highest with Southampton. And also, I will add in there that um, Palace are the lowest with 18 players used. So, the Premier League is a squad game with the five subs rule and so on and so forth. But does it tell us something obvious when we find that us and Southampton are the two teams who've used the most set, most different players so far? Um, I guess it tells us a few things. Um, it tells us we have quite a lot of players that we can use. I've, I've, from memory, I've, done, I, I've lost track of this as I haven't kept uh, up to date with Palace, but at one point they were on the verge of losing a lot of players. I think it was the end of last season. When you get to my age, the years sort of blend into each other, but I think it was the end of last year. So I'm not sure if they've got the biggest squad in the world. So I think it was at one point they were going to lose about 12 senior players. So that might be one thing. Uh, The second thing tells us Forrest and Southampton have made a lot of new signings Mm -hmm. and the manager is trying to work out who's best for which position. The third thing, which has been true at Forest, we've had a fair amount of injuries as well. Um, mm-hmm. More than sort of maybe you'd expect at this stage of the season. So that's necessitated a lot of change. And the fourth thing, I guess it, it reflects the new rule with the number of substitutes. Um, where, because we've been losing a lot of the games, uh, we, we've thrown on a lot of players to try and help change it. So I think all those factors help in contributing to us having used so many players Mm. and um in terms of forest's 25 man squad plus youth options there's only really so we've got richards who's obviously out injured Ario and bade who've only just signed and then beyond that i say it's only really um hennessy um and umbe so who would maybe be people who would be getting on the bench I think, and, and haven't haven't played. So that shows that we are making use of the fact we've signed a lot of players. And what we wanted to do was 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 to widen out that discussion to say, well, everyone will always discuss who should play and how they should play, and uh, you know formations as well. So we thought we'd ask our regular pundits what their team selections will be. So we're going to first of all hear from Adam. And then we'll go over to Baz and then to Stephen to hear their thoughts about the teams that they would select. 
So, difficult one. Putting myself uh, in the shoes of Mr. Steve Cooper. Um, this is what I would go with. Now, I'm usually a three-back man myself, but I think so far, mm, I'll go somewhere a bit different. So, in goal, Dean Henderson, goes without saying. Left-back, Renan Lodi. He will come good. He will be better. I think he's been really good so far, but he's obviously a massive talent. and We're lucky to have him. Right-back, go Williams. I think Aurea, depending on how he integrates into the squad, definitely will provide some competition, though. Um, two centre-backs that go for Nia Carte and McKenna. Um, don't know anything about Barde yet, so we don't know how good he's going to be. And I personally prefer McKenna over Worrell. Um, but Nia Carte is by far our best centre-half. Um, two holding midfielders. Um, so I'm going to go 4-2-3-1. Two holding midfielders. You know what? I'm going to switch this up right now because it's too difficult to pick two sentiments. I'm going to go 4-3-3 and go for Mangala O'Brien and have Freuler as the orchestrator, the deep line playmaker, um, and have them as a three. And then my front three would be Brennan Johnson on the right because I think he has a lot of potential to be a right winger in the sense that he does play there for... For Wales, and I just I, I don't know. I think in the Premier League, I think his skill set's better suited on the right. Um, yeah, so Brennan on the right, Tywo down the middle. Not seen enough of Dennis yet, and for all the stick that Tywo gets, I really like him. So I don't think he deserves to miss out. And a bit of a weird one here. I think I, I think he has the skill set to do it. Gibbs White is a left winger. However, that front three, I'd say. Like, he can drop into the hole behind Awani if he needs to. And the same way that Johnson can drop into the hole behind Awani if they need to and sort of interchange behind the striker. Um, and that's what I'd go with. It's tough because we, we don't know the players yet. We've not really seen enough of them. But I definitely think we need to change the shape and put an extra player in midfield. And I think, guess that kind of means sacrificing either one of the back three or one of the players up front and I would probably rather change the the back three so it would be something like a 4-3-3 or a 4-3-1-2 or something like that so Hendo, Hendo's obviously uh, the starter in goal I think Williams is our best option at right back but um, on le- at left back I would say it should be Lodi because I like what I see of him but I don't think he knows the English game yet so I think it has to be tough to start with uh, it's centre half. Um, I'd like it to be a Nyakate, but obviously he's out. Um, out of the the ones we've got left, I'd say McKenna and Worrell are probably our best bets. Um, and in a back four, they'll probably perform differently to how they do in a back three. Um, three in the middle. Um, ideally, I'd like Mangala to be sitting, but I think Kyate could do the job there. O'Brien has to start because he's just got that energy and drive that that takes us places. And um, and I'd probably say Yates over anyone else. So you've got Mangala or Kayate sort of sitting and then O'Brien and Yates providing the movement. And then up front, I think I like a, a one-year up front. I think he gives us just that little bit of extra physical presence. And then um, Jono, although he drifts out of games, he also makes things happen. And there's just the beginnings of an understanding between Jono and uh, Morgan Gibbs-White. So I think it has to be those three. It's just how you arrange them, I think, would... would would be different depending on each player. And I think um, we, we need to get better at tracking back and, and, and covering so that uh, that can become a five in midfield as well. 
assuming everyone is fit, my preferred formation for Forrest and this team would be a 4-2-3-1 with Henderson in goal, a back four of Williams, Neocarte, McKenna and Lodi, a midfield two at the base of Oral Mangala and Lewis O'Brien, both of whom have been really impressive when they've played this season. O'Brien especially coming off the bench against Fulham and, and making such an impact. Ahead of them, I'd have an attacking three of Johnson, Gibbs-White and Lingard. Johnson playing out on the right as he normally would do. Gibbs-White through the middle is the central attacking midfielder and then Lingard more out to the left but with the license to come in and play more centrally I think he could be really effective in that role and then up front Taiwo Awanyi leading the line but with the trio of Johnson Gibbs White Lingard given the license to get forward and support and go past Awanyi and provide a fluidity in the attack and I think that 4-2-3-1 would provide a good balance across the team okay so thank you to Adam Baz and Stephen and uh married on the Midlands we're going to ask you for your for your selection in just a second but interesting that unanimously people saying you know what the back three probably ain't working at the moment is it no, um, I think the back three worked really well in the championship because um, most teams came and sat back and let us have the ball. Um, and so the, but having the back three meant we could push an extra player, um, extra player or two sometimes into an attacking space in midfield and just give us more options going forward. Uh, when teams are just sort of stubbornly sitting back and you, you can't find a way through. In this division, when we're the weaker opposition and the other teams have the better players, I, ju- I just don't think it, it it helps us out at all. Uh, when we're defending it, it sort of becomes a flat back five and um, it leaves big gaps in in the midfield, especially when the front guys aren't, aren't working back and filling the holes. Um, so... For that reason, I think um, I too would go for the foot back four, um, just to just to sort of make it a bit more of a solid, solid foundation to build. And I think I think it would cut out a lot of the confusion and hesitation we see from uh, the likes of Joe Worrell, who's, who's sort of been blamed a lot for a lot of the goals this season. It's just, if it's just a simple task, you're going to stay close to McKenna, don't get too far away from him. You're just going to patrol that centre of the 18-yard box. Don't let anybody get through there. Just do your job, win your tackles, win your headers. Um, I think it would just benefit both of them so much. Mm. And, you know, we we saw that the back three with wing-backs in the Leicester match. We, we, we conceded that goal against Leicester in the FA Cup. Um, and Joe Worrell had had a torrid time in that because Premier League forwards are adept at getting down the channels and exposing the wide centre-backs and because of the kind of player Worrell is he struggles with that a little bit more also because he's a bit more exposed from having first Jed Spencer now Nico Williams as the as the right wing backs who are both arguably more wing than back um, whereas McKenna had Colback sitting next to him who naturally sits a little bit more um, although 
you know, it's worth pointing out, McKenna has been exposed uh, b- both with Toffolo and Renan Lodi in the team. So so you'd go for a back four. Tell us about who you would select. OK, well, the, the obvious choice is Dean Hennessy in goal. Um, I'd go Nico Williams on the right, Warrell and McKenna, two centre-backs. And then it's, I mean, a tricky one. I, I think probably long-term the best player that we've got in that position is Omar Richards. But, but as he's injured at the moment... I would just, for the time being, because I think we just need to go back to basics and the next two or three games, just, just try and get a clean sheet, not be do, do anything too spectacular. I would go for Harry Toffolo at left back. I think the, um, there's been a lack of communication in the defence so far um, in the last few games. And I, I think it's not his fault, but Lodi, he can't speak English yet. And so that I think that does hinder us slightly. Um I know he's a, he's a player with great pedigree. He's been at a great club and he's, he plays for Brazil. The last few games, you've not really seen that. You've just seen somebody who's, who's quite good at going forward and then he's, he's sort of gone missing in the defensive area. And, and Toffolo was doing a steady job up until he got dropped. So it was just, he was maybe a little bit to blame for the Harry Kane second goal against Spurs. He switched off then, but it was a hot day and it was late on in the game when he was tired. But I think he would uh, do a steady job there and just help shore up the defence while we're having this sort of crisis of, of confidence at the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, you mentioned Warren and McKenna. I should point out, I did give you the brief that on the base of players who are available at the moment. So although a couple of the others have mentioned Nick Kate, realistically, we're not likely to see him in the next next few weeks, are we? So, so you go for Warren and McKenna. What about yeah, in I'm... the middle of the park? Yeah. Um, in the middle of the park, I would go for... Um, a sitting two, or well, a two, a four. I've got a four-two-three-one basically. So uh, initially, for the time being, I'd go for Kiate and Yates as the two. Kiate uh, is just um, a physically a, a very imposing player, and I and I think he's got that defensive know-how just to sort of provide a shield for the defence. And he's got experience as well in the Premier League, something we're really missing. Um, so I put him in there. I put Yates next to him because he will not shirk his defensive uh, responsibilities. He won't go wandering off anywhere. And plus, he's got that ability to sort of run all day. So he'll provide that drive to sort of provide that extra man in attack when needed. But he, you can trust him to go back as well. Uh, and then I'd go for a three in front of them of Brennan Johnson on the right, Morgan Gibbs White on the left, and then Lewis O'Brien in the middle. Uh, Lewis O'Brien, you can trust him to sort of do his closing down, uh, bring the ball out from defence as well, from the defensive midfielders, link up play with the front two or three, and just cover a lot of ground. Um, I think uh, you can see him doing a lot of short passes, sort of interchanging, getting moves uh, set up. And then up front, I would go for Taiwo Awonyi at the moment. Um, He's looked a bit of an untidy player, um, at points, his, his touch isn't doesn't look great. But for this for this section, I, I had a look back at some of the reports of when when he first signed, and, and a lot of people were saying that he he does need work on holding up play. He does need work on his touch, but he'll run all day. He's great at sort of running behind defenses, and for somebody who's not played particularly well, he's might still managed to get two goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes it's better just to be lucky. Then be good. He might just have that knack of being in the right place at the right time and scoring vital goals. So I'd, I'd go with him. 
Uh, yeah. for the next okay. game. And, and funnily, you should say that because um, as you as you described Taiwo in that way, I was just thinking, well, that's pretty much the same charge that was levelled at, at Lewis Graben, wasn't it? Where he, you know, he he can't really play as a traditional number nine in terms of holding holding the ball up and and being that big kind of target up front but his movement is very good and his instinct is also very good so in that respect although Taiwo is wearing the number nine shirt he's more of a grabbing type player in some ways would you say yeah a little bit but I think from what what I mean we've only seen sort of glimpses of him at the moment but I think this is a charge that I can maybe put to the whole sort of Boris attacking three or four so far this season. I don't think I've seen them working as hard as I would like in every single game. Mm. So I, I don't think they've been pressing enough. I don't think they've been closing down enough. I think they've made it too easy for the opposition. And the um, the reports of, of Tayo in Germany was that he was a tireless worker. Mm. And he sort of run behind defences and run the channels and run the lines. And maybe that helped bring in other players as well. Um, create space for the for the three behind him, um, but going on just just to build on my on my lineup, I think we haven't really used substitutes very well either. I I would I, I'd like to see the front three or four work their socks off for an hour, and then we start using some smart substitutions just so, as a like for like. So you can maybe bring in um, Jesse Lingard once uh, Morgan Gibbs White has run his socks off. You could maybe bring in. Mangala wants Luis O'Brien sort of tiring. You could bring in um, uh, Dennis for Taiwo. Uh, and Sam Surridge, I think he could fill it at that right-hand side uh, attacking role as well. If, if people don't trust him to be the out-and-out striker on his own because he's, he's considered too lightweight, I, I, I can see him doing uh, a good job in sort of Brent Johnson's position because he's, he's the best finisher at the club. And so if he's if he's given the opportunity uh, of, of a chance in the box, I think he'd take it. And I think we've, we've missed the trick a little bit this season by by not giving him a go mm. um, with our substitutions in general. There's sort of been a slight sort of des- desperate substitutions where we've just chucked on all the attacking players and that's not let, left us with nothing in midfield at times. So we haven't really been able to benefit from those changes. So I think we just, for the ne- next few games, I'd like to see Steve Cooper use substitutions a bit more smartly and um, I'd see a bit more hard work from those those players. I would also say that I think that um, there's an argument that the Fulham match showed Cooper using, for the first time really, making use of having five subs. And, and not all of them worked out, but I think Surridge and Lingard, even though they weren't as involved in terms of touches as they would have liked to have been, I think the change of shape and the their kind of movement and 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 guile kind of added a different dimension to what Forrest could offer. Dennis didn't really work out because he only had a few minutes and and his his first touch, bless him, he couldn't get into the game, could he? And and it's interesting because we hadn't mentioned Emmanuel Dennis so far. So for for the record, I would go with Henderson in goal. I would go with Williams at and Toffolo at fullback for exactly the same reason that you've put Toffolo in. I think Renan Loddy and one of our other guys did say it. Obviously a great player, but he's, I think Loddy and Freuler, good players, but they have struggled to get up to speed with the Premier League, both in terms of the pace and the physicality. Um, so I would go for Toffolo as well. And yeah, until Nierkate is available, 
um, who did look really good in the first sort of uh, couple of games that we saw, uh, it would be Warren and McKenna. And I, I agree with with um, what was said before, which is I think that in a back four, it could be a little bit simpler for them. I would go, assuming he is coming back, I would go with Mangala and O'Brien in the middle of the park. And then I would play Gibbs White uh, in the number 10 role, Johnson on the right. And I put Emmanuel Dennis in from the start on the left-hand side with Tywo up front. Now, that does mean dropping Jesse Lingard. And it does also mean that there's an accusation that we wouldn't have quite enough in midfield. But against Fulham uh, in the first half, what I would say is that uh, Steve Cooper did change the tactics slightly after Forrest had taken the lead in the first half, and he dropped Gibbs White from being, you know, an out-and-out number 10 to tailing João Paulinha. And so I think Gibbs White can do, has got the work rate and the kind of the intelligence that he can drop in when Forrest are needing to defend a little bit. Um, O'Brien, I think, has earned his place. And and I'd also say that against West Ham, yeah, we're a little bit, you know, we've got the rub of the green with the balls that hit the bar and bounce down and everything. But O'Brien and Mangala outplayed Declan Rice and uh, Thomas Socek in the middle of the park. And I know West Ham aren't having a great season, but that's not to be sniffed at. And I completely agree with you about use of subs. So I'm just going to go over to our Twitter poll, which we ran, which was just asking, um, on the basis of what you've seen, who would be your first name on the Forest team sheet? I gave people the option of, of nominating their own choices, but I also tried to choose a player for each area of the pitch. So in goal, you know, Henderson is the obvious choice. I then put Nico Williams, Lewis O'Brien and Morgan Gibbs-White. And Henderson got 38.8% of the vote. Uh, Nico Williams got only 3.3, which is odd because I think he's had, his decision-making has been a bit lax, but statistically he's been really, really good. Um, Gibbs-White got 6.1 and the runaway winner, with 51.8% of the vote, was Lewis O'Brien. And O'Brien has that energy and, and the certain dynamism that I think we wouldn't have otherwise. Don't you agree? I do. And um, I, he's, I think he's got the ability just to be everywhere and uh, not run out of energy. And I see, I see more sort of that, uh, the ability to sort of bring the ball forward, carry it maybe and uh, release other players. I think, I think, yeah, he's, I've been very impressed with him and um, it was a bit of a mystery why he got dropped, but um, hopefully he'll be back in now. Mm, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we had a few other comments. So um, Dale did make the point that we shouldn't be messing around too much with the starting 11. Um, having a settled 11 will allow players the time to gel. I think it's... Um, it's a it's a relatively obvious point, but sometimes we do see managers who do kind of tinker with, with teams, sometimes for the sake of it. I don't know if we could necessarily accuse Cooper of doing that. And 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 Big Z makes the point of saying that no one has really stood head and shoulders above the rest. Um but he does mention that obviously there are people saying that the likes of O'Brien, Mangala, and Niakate should play because they have been involved in a more positive way and in some of the more positive results than uh, the players who've been going through ever since. 
I do think that Renan Lodi and Remo Froiler will will come good and will be valuable members of the squad. I think they'll all be valuable members of the squad. I mean, the one, the other name we've not mentioned is Julian Biancon, who, if we do go to a back four, could potentially be a very good right back as well as an auxiliary centre back. So, uh, so lots of options there, which I guess was kind of the point. But anything else you want to add there, Marad on the Midlands? Um, no, I mean, but it's a good point that the person made there about a lot of the people being quite. I mean, it's a. I found it quite tricky to decide on my midfield because I, th- I feel a lot of the players are of a similar ability. Um, so it, it is tricky. There's, I mean, we've brought in players at the time we thought maybe they're defensive players like Mangala um, and Froiler, but they're not necessarily defensive players in the sense that they'll stay there and, and tackle all day. Um, and uh, and so sort of Anki midfield in that sense. Uh, Freuder, I think, is a deep-lying, creative player. And Mangala, again, seems sort of very similar to O'Brien, sort of like ball-carrying short passes, not necessarily getting those uh, crunching tackles in. So it is, it is difficult because they're, they're quite similar. That's why I, I chose Coyote in there, just to give that sort of, option of a of a different dimension in there but um yeah it's it's uh certainly there are there are options there if, if we if we want yeah yeah and and that's the thing i will just also say that having bigged up uh mangala and o'brien in the west ham match the other thing that i really liked is they did seem to have a bit of an understanding already about okay you're gonna go i'm gonna stay um so partnerships in teams can be really really important um and with with that in mind i would just say it's been a delight once again to be in partnership with adam with baz with Stephen, and with callum and of course with you the maradon in the midlands so thank you very much thank you to you listener for joining us in an apple top 60 football podcast as followed by david Prutton. We will be back after the Leicester game and we'll have a match report and a view from the opposition. So we hope you can join us then. Podcast Network.